Hello and welcome to episode 12, the final episode of the 2021 baseball season of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast for the state of Michigan. Alongside Lanphier High School head coach Adam Moley, I'm your host, Rob Mendica. Buckle up because we have an absolutely action-packed show for you this week. I teased it last week and we delivered in spades. The dust has settled on an exciting season and we will recap our state championship games in every division, along with presenting the All-State players for the year. We will also have a chance to review this unique season with MA. HBCA President Todd Zalka and MHSAA Assistant Director Brent Rice. And finally, we will have a chance to talk about some things high school players should be doing to prepare themselves for the offseason by sitting down with Wayne State Head Coach Ryan Kelly to talk about his upcoming camp featuring Tiger greats Lance Parrish and Alan Trammell. No, I didn't stutter. They are really going to be there. But before that, let's take a few minutes to acknowledge our sponsors who are here to help us support the game as we look to grow the game of high school baseball across the state of Michigan. State Champs Michigan Extra Inning Podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including baseball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Extra Innings is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is in need of officials. Go to mhsaa.com for more information on becoming an official. Not only is it great part-time pay, but it's a way for you to stay connected to the game you love. Support kids, give back to the game and your community while getting paid. Information is just a whistle away. Go to mhsaa.com slash officials. The Detroit Medical Center's physical therapy and sports medicine pros want you to check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page, our website, statechamps.com, or on the State Champs Michigan social media pages. And for immediate access to care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And of course, last but not least, the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female Athlete of the Year Awards. State Champs streamed the event live. It was a fantastic black tie event. Uh, you can watch it now along with tons of bonus material across the State Champs Michigan social media channels and or simply go to state, the State Champs website, State Champs TV YouTube channel, or free streaming State Champs sports app. There is no excuse not to go watch this great event. It was fantastic. Lauren did a great job looking super nice in that tuxedo. For information please visit DACAthleteoftheyear.com. And also let's pass along to the listeners a special thank you to the Michigan High School Baseball Coaches Association. The MHS BCA works tirelessly to promote the game of baseball by creating opportunities for coaches to connect and stay informed through clinics, social media, and incredible events like the annual high school all-star game coming up Monday and the Hall of Fame inductions. For more information and to stay connected, check out the website at www.mhsbca.org. That's www.mhsbca.org. Well, like we said in the intro, Coach, we have a loaded program on tap for everybody today, but let's lead things off. Let's get right into our champions in each division. Coach, start us off with Division Four. Yeah, state championship weekend, and what a successful state championship it was. Let's start out, like you said, with Division Four. Rob. Kalamazoo Hackett Catholic put up seven runs in the first three innings and route to a 9-2 victory over Marine City Cardinal Mooney. Offensively, Stephen Widger, Stephen Quapis, Isaac Backman, and Eli Backman led the way in support of starting pitcher Sam Shea, who notched the win, and Brendan Collins finished it up in relief. How about D3? In D3, we got Gross Point, University Liggett, overwhelmed Traverse City St. Francis, 12-0 behind a three-hit shutout by Jack Jones. Jones had a pair of RBIs at the plate, but the big hits came courtesy of Matthew Green, who doubled, tripled, and totaled five ribbies for Liggett. Congratulations to them. Coach is going on D2. 
D2, no surprise here, unless you've been completely out of touch with high school baseball. It's no shock that the number one ranked national powerhouse, Orchard Lake St. Mary's Eaglets, eased their way to a 9 nothing win over Stevensville Lakeshore. Jake Dresselhaus, he was two for three at the plate. Alex Mooney, Nolan Schubart, Ryan McKay each notched a pair of RBI in support of Tommy Allman, who threw six and a third inning, striking out seven for OLSM, who finished the season 43-1. and one. Dang. All right, coach. In Division One, Grand Blank scored two runs in the first and six more in the fifth to hold off, hold off Portage Central 8-3. to three. Nate Helms worked six innings for the win, while Nathan Fidelino had two hits. Hunter Ames and Jonah Melisecki scored a pair of runs each in the championship. Once again, congratulations to everybody. D1 through D4, doesn't matter where. Uh, you guys are state champions, and you absolutely deserve it. So congratulations on a great season. Since speaking of congratulations, it's time to take a quick rundown of our all state first teamers. You know, this is the time of year when we start handing out awards and getting involved in the all star games and the Hall of Fame inductions. And Rob, you just want to go through all of the honors uh, starting in D4. Who do you have in Division Four? Uh, starting in D4, well, let's start with the pitchers. We got Sheldon Huff of Joburg, Max Price of Muskegon Catholic Central, Thomas Gill of Cardinal Mooney, Sam Shea of Hackett, and Michael Barkman of, was it Cologne? Yep. Uh, infielders for D4 are Preston Marlett of Joburg, Mason Ruther of White Cloud, Cody Hayden of Marlette, Jack Lasecki of Everest Collegiate, Blake Lutsky of Cardinal Mooney, Stephen Quapis of Hackett and Shane Cook of Portland St. Pat's. The first baseman are Sam Sorelli of Gaylord St. Mary and Max French of Lansing Christian. In the outfield, we have Hugh Periard of Sutton's Bay, Wade Wilson of Beale City, Ethan Eiler of Somerville, Trent Rice of Cardinal Mooney, and Brendan Collins of Hackett. And behind the plate, Noah Etnar of Plymouth Christian, Steve Widger Hackett, uh, Chase Pung of Fowler, the utility player for UT4 is Logan Heath out of Merrill, and coach of the year goes to Chris Herman of Glen Lake. Keep your water handy, Rob, because there's a lot of this. Listening. I know, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, checking out the first team all state for D3, starting with pitchers Kurt Barr and Jack Jones out of University of Liggett, Danny Whitback out of Everett, Bennett Hitzelberger of Richmond, and Matt Hoover from Buchanan. Infield, Derek Hebner, Arbor Springs, Bo Falkenhagen of Algonac. Jaron Purefoy of Liggett, Ty Wyman, Blissfield, Drew Glavin, uh, Buchanan, Alec Cutter, North Muskegon, and Trent Reed Beaverden. At first base, Cam Orr of New Lothrop and Gabe Helder of GRNP. And in the outfield, we have Tanner Worth of PW, Gavin Gannon of Blissfield, Greg Pace of Edison, Charlie Peterson of St. Francis, and Reese Rinna of Richmond. The D3 catchers are Zach Horky of Blissfield, Brandon Ford of Detroit Edison and Aiden Schmuckle of St. Francis. The utility man for D3 is Brady Birchmeyer of New Lothrop and coach of the year is Dan Samini from University of Liggett. Moving on to D2, we have pitchers Kyle Remington of Grand Rapids Christian, Brock Porter, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Tommy Allman, Orchard Lake St. Mary, Caleb Williams of Sheboygan, and Ricky Kidd from Trenton. The infield consists of Chase Remond of Standish Sterling, Alex Mooney from Orchard Lake St. Mary, Jack Crichton from St. Mary's as well, Ty Garza from Grosseal, Connor Ostrander from Edwardsburg, Alex Vosted of Grand Rapids South Christian, and Cody Haltink of Battle Creek Penfield. The outfielders are Jacob Conklin of Vicksburg, Saborn Campbell of Country Day, Jake Dresselhaus, and Nolan Schubart of OLSM, and Ian Peel of Petoskey. The catchers are Carter Campo uh, from Midland Bullet Creek, 
Anthony Migliaccio of Country Day, and Ike Ursh of Orchard Lake St. Mary's. The utility player, Mike Otenbright of Trenton, and the D2 coach of the year, get you know, sh- shocker to everybody here, Matt Petrie of Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Rob, let's wrap it up with the All-State teams by reviewing the first teamers for D1. The pitchers are Gavin Brazowski of Portage Central, Wyatt Danilitz of Traverse City West, Griffin Killinder of Livonia Stevenson, Nick Good out of Gross Point North, and Ethan Hoftelling out of Zeeland East. The infielders are Luke Leto, Portage Central, JT Sokolov of Hudsonville, Greg Gusick, Dakota, Gunnar Aldridge, Lake Orion, Ryan Kennel of uh, Livonia Churchill, Johnny Stepak of Wald Lake Northern, Brandon Nye Bedford. The first baseman are Aiden Arbogast, Livonia Stevenson, Jeff Agar out of Zeeland East. And in the outfield, we have Zach McDonald, Portage Central, Jonah Molesky, Grand Blank, Luke Gruppen from Zeeland East, Ryan Shapaniak of Woodhaven, Noah Warren from Grand Ledge. The catchers from D1, Grant Ewell out of DeWitt, Spencer Verberg out of Granville and Lakeland's Kevin Krill. The utility player is David Lally. He's from Grand Blank. And the D1 coach of the year is Corey DeGroat from Portage Central. That's going to do it for the list of first teamers. To view all the teams, again, head on over to the MHS BCA website. Click on the All-State banner. You can find all the D1 through D4 first and second teamers along with the coaches of the year. Additionally, word is, is that the dream team and the award for Mr. Baseball, those will be announced very, very soon. Yeah. Congratulations to all those guys. Once again, go to the website, uh, make sure if you are a family member or friend of any of those players, uh, first or second team, give them a shout out. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the all-star game coach. I'm looking forward to all that good stuff. Uh, this 2021 season was unique to say the least. Um, we had COVID brought the delayed start to the season. We had masks on and then they were off weekly testing the, the vaccine, new rules and regulations that, you know, we talked about at nauseum. We'd never seen before in any year that you, or I can recall. Um, but let's bring in the main event here. Joining us to discuss this season to talk about moving the sport forward, our MHSAA Assistant Director Brent Rice and MHBCA President Todd Zalka. Gentlemen, thank you for taking some time uh, to talk with us today about growing the game of baseball here in the state of Michigan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Rob, Adam. Yeah, no problem. First off, guys, uh, can we just kind of take a minute here and tell the listeners a little bit more about the roles that you guys serve in our game? Brent, let's start with you. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, your role as the assistant director of the MHSAA? Sure. I'm a, uh, an assistant director with the MHSAA, and, and my primary role is baseball. I'm the administrator for that sport. Uh, that's my only sport that I administer. And then I'm responsible for our officials program for uh, all of our sports uh, in our state. Awesome. Yeah. So big shoes for sure. Uh, Todd, what goes into your role of president of the coaches association? Uh, Before we get started, Rob, I just wanted to um, congratulate all the players in the state that made the all state teams, Mm -hmm. Um, all the coaches that were nominated as coach of the year. And then um, especially all the teams that won state championships this year. MHSBCA just wanted to congratulate all of them um, formally. Um, some of my role, my my number one role is to to give Brent Rice a hard time. <laughs> I've got to send him texts and emails with all the with all the hard stuff. Um, but honestly, it's more or less the the president of the MHSBCA, and we have a number of individuals that are a, a part of the board, Adam included. Um, 
our job is to just make sure that um, that we represent baseball in the state of Michigan in a positive way. Um, the, I don't know if if, uh, if our listeners know this, but all the roles that are on the MHSBC are all volunteer roles. Right. So we're just trying to make sure that baseball is is prominent and um, gets its due in the state of Michigan. And my role is basically to make just kind of oversee everything step in facilitate things when they need to when they need to get done and just make th- sure that things are running as smoothly as smoothly as possible and um yeah that's about it so brent you know um working off of that and talking about you know how we can present the game in a better fashion and how we can move it forward um one of the things that when rob was going through the introduction that really kind of occurred to me is we talked a lot about the rule changes and all the different challenges that we face one of the things i want to say to you in your role is congratulations for getting through this season because it was unique. It was, it was great that we had such flexibility and the ability to communicate with you. So with that being said, obviously there were low points during the season, no question about that, but there were also some highs. Can you tell us about some of those highs and lows that you had to deal with and the challenges and then also some of the, uh, you know, celebrations that you faced as, as a director and working specifically with high school baseball? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we couldn't have done it, obviously, without the uh, cooperation and the partnership with the Coaches Association and all of our member schools out there. Uh, really, I, I think that we took little victories as they came along. Um, that's kind of what we were handed. And and uh, and we we stared adversity and tried to tried to just work through it. Um, you know, our goal coming into this year was to complete three seasons and into a culminating event. Um, and we were challenged with that. Um, there were many times throughout this year, it didn't look like that was going to happen. Uh, but we uh, persevered. Um, and that really was uh, a lot of credit to our member schools and our, our council. But, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about our executive director who really uh, Mark Ewell, who, who really pushed and pushed to make sure that we we reached that point for all of our sports and most importantly for our athletes um, and probably none none heard uh, heard it uh, or were hurt more by that than um, uh, the previous season was was our spring sport athletes who just didn't have an opportunity to play. So being able to play that was certainly a victory completing all of our seasons uh, with culminating events uh, having great state championships that was a victory. And then also little things that we learned along the way, whether it be you know, ways that we think we might be able to keep things in place that COVID kind of showed us, uh, some things that we don't ever want to touch again, uh, <laughs> if we don't have to, that COVID showed us. Uh, but, you know, I'll give you a, for instance, we're discussing now, uh, because of the experiment uh, with spring sports, with the 16 contact days that we provided in the fall, we really received a lot of positive feedback on that. Uh, just the ability for coaches to connect with their athletes, uh, to be able to, to see them when they hadn't seen them, you know, uh, at some point, uh, it's for some of them uh, for several months. And so to be able to get them in a room and actually be able to work on some skills and, and things like that, we received a lot of feedback and we're taking that to the drawing board to see if that may be a, a way to either, uh, supplement or supplant uh, our current rules 
uh, regarding contact between coaches and, and athletes. So, oh, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, to I go. was just going to say, so there were a lot of small victories as we went along the way, but obviously the big one was we're finished. We got through it. We have state champions in all of our sports across the state in all of our seasons. And that was a major moral victory for all of us. Let me let me unpack that just even a step further, Brent, because th- this is the beauty of having Jan. And the same thing goes with Todd is that there's going to be things that, you know, kind of bubble to the surface as we're talking. And one of the things that occurred to me is that honest representation from the MHSAA about taking feedback, because oftentimes one of the criticisms that is heard is that, oh, it's a good old boys network and they take care of this, you know, this group and they take care of this group. What would your answer be to people regarding that? I mean, are you guys looking to become much more progressive? Has maybe this uh, COVID situation opened the doors a little bit more to, you know, dialogue and feedback between not only coaches, but people who are, you know, interested in the sport in order for us to try to grow the game and to move it up to the next level? Has that really had an impact on it? Uh, one thing I think it's, it's made us realize that we can be flexible if we need to be. Um, and that goes for us, it goes for schools, it goes for coaches, athletes. Uh, we really find out how flexible we, we, we all have been able to be uh, reacting on the fly in many cases. I don't, I don't know if, if progressive is the right word, but I, I certainly think that we can look at things a different way. Um, I, I've, always, I, I've always thought that, uh, me in particular, uh, but uh, I think our staff is open to uh, feedback and criticism and, and really, you know, being constructive and, and trying to figure out the best way for our athletes. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, the, the combination of that, that student athlete and making sure that, that we're doing the best, what's in the best interest of, of their needs, both scholastically and athletically. So um, I think that, that we have been able, we, we've seen a lot of different ways that we can maybe approach things differently. Uh, you know, I, I spoke with Todd and I, as he mentioned, we, we text uh, quite a bit and we take phone calls with each other. But, uh, you know, one thing that we're going to do, and we may get into this a little later, but I'm going to really uh, rely on the Coaches Association this year with a lot of input regarding uh, district host sites and those types of things. Maybe something that we hadn't done as much in the past uh, because of, of we relied on a committee. But I think that that committee even needs to get that information from the folks that are actually on the ground. So we're going to be doing a lot more interaction and actually taking that input from the coaches association on where our best facilities are uh, across the state. Todd, I want to, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on this. We had a question on here, uh, but I kind of want to dissect it a little bit uh, based off Brent's response. You know, with this pandemic, did you, have you seen um, maybe some different ways of of doing things going forward? I mean, you know, you're, you're, you've been a coach and you are a coach yourself, right? So you've seen it, you get the feedback from the coaches as well. Do you think that this uh, pandemic has kind of opened some coaches' eyes and has opened your eyes and the whole MHBCA's eyes um, into maybe changing the way we do things season to season as far as preparation, contact with players, um, and just different ways to grow the game as a whole that we maybe didn't realize and didn't get to see because we were kind of going through the same routine year in and year out. I, I, I don't I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, yeah. there were, there were, there was so much going on. And I felt just from my own perspective that everything that I knew, I didn't know. And, 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 
and when you like, I think like we all make rules and, and have formats to follow so that we can kind of keep things organized. And during this whole process, it's almost like we learned how to manage chaos and how to work within disorganization because sometimes it felt like it didn't matter what you did, you're going to get a curveball. <laughs> so you better be prepared for, you know, what's, what's lurking out there. And I, it, we had to be flexible. Um, I mean, just like, just like Brent said, there, there were things that they probably didn't know were coming. I don't think that any of us thought that, um, that COVID was going to go into the next spring. Right. I mean, I, you know, when it initially, when it initially happened, okay, a couple of weeks and we'll be back playing again. And then right. it, it just continued and got worse and got worse. And, you know, it's unlike anything that, that we've, that we've seen. So, you know, I think ultimately whatever it is that we decide to do, I think Brent hit it on the head. And I think this ties into the whole um, officiating thing and, and especially baseball. When, when there's something that's not right and you go out and you ask the, the, the umpires to meet their, their job or their goal is to get it right. And I think that that's what our goal is. It, and it may not be, it may not be traditional. It may not be the, the path that, that we had planned in our head, like it's been for a long time. Um, it's taught us to look at things in new and interesting ways. And, you know, like just, come up with different ways to help grow this game in the state of Michigan. I love that. I love the idea that we can, we can adapt and we can change and using this pandemic as a catalyst is probably one of the smartest and best things that we can do. So Brent, I know you started to unpack this just a little bit and obviously, and and I'm not going to take anything away from our playoffs because the matchups that we had, the results that we had, the teams that, that wound up in there, we're exciting and deserving. Now, I don't want anybody to take away that that I feel that way. But what one of the things that you had started alluding to was talking about districts. Can you? This is going to be a two part question. So, first part, can you talk a little bit about how districts are determined in baseball exactly? How they're drawn up? How they're created at the at the current time? And then you've already alluded to it, so I know the answer is yes. But just tell us a little bit more about how we can move the discussion forward about possibly looking at things like seating and, you know, reformatting the district just to make it seemingly a more equitable process from the start all the way through the finish. Yeah, and you may have to remind me of the second piece. There. No problem. We got um, you. <laughs> so so regarding the process of how districts are kind of drawn and and, uh, you know, it's it's certainly uh you know, how they say the sausage is made. Sometimes you don't want to see it. Um, <laughs> it, it really is a simple process. Uh, a lot of people um, don't want to go through it because it, it kind of looks complicated, um, but it really is a simple process because we use uh, baseline fundamentals uh, of drawing maps for all of our sports. Uh, and the primary, uh, the primary point that we use in drawing those is geography. And so when we get our list, each director will get a list of their uh, schools uh, that are intending on playing in that tournament. And that's where the sticking point becomes, right? When we get towards the start of the tournament or even the draws and everything, now all of a sudden, those maps may not look the way that they were drawn up. Uh, But the process is, is that we get the little dots on a map. I don't even label them. 
Um, I, I mean, they're hidden labels uh, because I don't want even the, the thought that there may be uh, matchups or impropriety going on. It really is geography. And, uh, you know, it depends on uh, kind of where we've had issues, where we may start. So I'll give you, for instance, traditionally we start in the UP and work down. And the only reason is, is because there are fewer teams, they're further spread out. And so to connect those dots and put them in these groups of four, five, six, you know, uh, on average, uh, that we, that's the easiest place to start. But last year, uh, because of a, a, a recent history of, of teams dropping later, not always late beyond the opt-out, but, but later, uh, we went the other direction. So I actually started in Southeast Michigan and worked my way kind of up and, and towards the UP or towards Northern Michigan um, because I wanted to try to, I know that we have an issue there. And so I think that we need to, to group in larger groups if we can. Um, but the bottom line is, is that if a line, you know, for instance, I, I'll, I'll the Gross Point North and Gross Point South, they're they're likely never going to be drawn in different districts because they're so close and so tight um, and within the same division. And so it's just not likely to happen as much as the people in those two, you know, for those communities may want it to happen. Um, they're just two little dots for me. So once I get that completed and I have kind of districts drawn and, and try not to gerrymander them. You know, I, I try to make them as compact as possible and look as reasonable. We send that to committee and the committee reviews it. Um, they provide input. There are times where we change those lines, um, not based on the school, but again, based on just cleaning up the map to make it look more compact. And then, uh, then those are where our maps are set. Now, as I mentioned, the problem is that sometimes is that as we get down the road, some of those teams may opt out. If they opt out early enough, we may have the ability based on, again, where the maps are, uh, where the districts lie, we may be able to swap some, not swap, but move people to make those balanced districts, especially when they're adjacent districts. Mm -hmm. uh, the real issue comes is when it's so late yep. that making those changes would then disrupt other people's districts and their mm -hmm. plans and their schedules. Um, we can't do that. And we experienced that this year, uh, probably larger than we ever have. Uh, but uh, I think that probably some of that had to do with COVID. Uh, we ended up with a regional semifinal winner, for instance, that didn't play a game. Yeah, Clarenceville. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, I, I've obviously that's not where we wanted to go with that. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to be in that situation, but to try to reef formulate maps at that point in time, uh, we would have caught a lot of uh, grief, a lot of flack from, from everybody else that would have been broken up into those as well. So uh, it was kind of a, uh, you know, no win situation there. Um, and unfortunate. Coach, I, I had a, a follow-up just real quick coach before um, just to kind of further that, right. Do you think that, and you mentioned earlier that you're open to kind of reviewing the, the system and the process as a whole. Do, do you think that 
going through this process of kind of, of evaluating how you guys do it now, do you think that there are possible systems that could be to help mitigate some of those issues, right? With the, with teams backing out that way, instead of having to blow up the board, so to speak, right. That, that maybe there are some other systems that are a little bit more flexible and malleable to those kind of situations to where, okay, we have a seed drop out. This is where we slot it in. And it, and it's not so much about um, location at this point. It's more based on, you know, skill, record, accolade, whatever you, criteria you want to filter on. Do you think that would maybe help some of those circumstances where we don't have a regional semifinalist without playing a baseball game? Well, I, I don't ever see us not using geography. So okay. even in our seeded sports currently, geography is still the primary way that we group schools. Um, so I don't see that that happening. Now, I will say this. We... Um, we do have measures that are in place. Our handbook mm-hmm. provides certain uh, certain penalties, potential penalties, for for schools that opt out late. And mm-hmm. uh, but of course we have to we have to hand those out uh, based on the particular circumstances. Right. And especially this year, that's a difficult task when a lot of folks may have been backing out because of COVID, uh, or or certainly because of concerns with that. Uh, there are going to be some schools that get letters though this year mm-hmm. uh, that will put them on probation, um, which is the first step in that process in our handbook. Um, and then future, you know, withdrawals, late, late withdrawals could, uh, you know, create some, uh, you know, additional penalties. So, so we are looking at that. I believe that we need to enforce the rules that we have. I think that that would help. We're also looking at different ways to improve it. So for instance, instead of drawing, if, you know, I'll give you just a one that's been thrown. This isn't a proposal, but uh, a school that withdraws two years in a row, for instance, maybe the, the answer is now, instead of opting out, you have to opt in by a certain date. Yeah. And so we're still giving you the opportunity. We're not penalizing you saying you can't be in our tournament, uh, but you have to actually affirm that you want to be in this thing by a certain date, right. uh, which would allow us, uh, to kind of clean up our maps, I guess, uh, naturally. So that, that would be a hope. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's fair. Todd, what, what do you see as the role of the MHSBCA partnering with the MHSA on something like this? I mean, are there things I, I know in our coaching thread, we talk about it often, but are there things that are developing that we could, you know, perhaps one day see, the input from the MHS BCA partnering with the MHSA to make this something that, you know, is a little bit more tangible. Well, this happened the other night, Brent sent me a text and I laughed. I was like, you, I, are you tapping my phone? Because he, uh, he sent me a text asking about, um, you know, could the MHS BCA help support the MHSAA in, in doing, um, coming up with the best site hosts. Um, and, you know, as we've been talking on our thread, that seems to be a common focal point for our coaches coming out of the state tournament is that there were a number of games played on fields that they sh- games that shouldn't have been played on. Um, and, you know, especially when you, you know, districts, that's one thing. When you start getting into regionals, you start getting into quarterfinals. And then the, the state finals take care of themselves. But that, that regional quarterfinal, those games – um, those got to be played on on the best fields um, possible, and I think there there are some fields. I mean, we got Ryan Kelly that just joined us on the on the podcast. 
we know we go to Wayne State that that Wayne State's field is going to be tip top. We know if we go to Michigan because of the turf, that field's going to be tip top. I did, uh, Central Michigan, that field's always, you know, so like there are there are a lot of fields in the state that that have shown and proven that they can that they can run those those venues and have good um good fields. But then you got other other there's other parts of it. You know, you got to have like you got to have bathrooms, you got to have concession stands. How far is how far are the fields from the parking lots um, for like for for grandparents and things like that. So there, there are some things that I think that um, that we as MHSBCA members can help the MHSAA and especially Brent, um, you know, vet and, and make sure that we're playing these games on the best fields possible. I, honestly, um, I know like Trenton's in a good spot. We, we just got a brand new turf infield, but like I, I would want my games to be played on the best fields. I would not want a game to come down to, you know, a bad hop here or there because the, the field had a huge clip on it. I mean, that, that would just eat away at me. And I think that most of our coaches are the same. Yes. Home field advantage is nice, but you know, I also think that schools should be rewarded for the time that they put in to get their, to get their fields ready. Well, that, that's a, that's a lot of extra time. And it, <laughs> for me, this past year really showed because after the games, we were able to kind of, wrap things up and get out of there where before, you know, it was an extra half an hour after the game, making sure that, you know, put new clay in manicuring the home plate and the catcher's area and the mound and, and uh, dragging the field and all that. So, um, you know, teams that are doing their, their due diligence and, and making sure that their field's ready and, and game and game conditions. I think those are the schools that should be rewarded and those that have shown that they can, they can host those events. Brent, just to kind of wrap the things up from your perspective from the MHSA, and I want to thank you for being as forthcoming as you have been because, you know, it's easy to vent. It's easy to complain, right? It's a lot more difficult to be solutions-based. And I think that's one of the things that, I, that, that we want people to understand is that from the Coaches Association standpoint and then from the state standpoint, you're being hurt. Your, your, you know, your, your complaints are, are being listened to, but even more than that, we're coming up with viable solutions. So to wrap things up, just kind of want to like allow you the opportunity to be able to tell people at home, you know, Hey, we hear you, we understand, you know, can you just kind of let the people know that this is a partnership, that these are the things that we're going to look to move forward to kind of grow the game a little bit more. Absolutely. We, we do hear you. Uh, I can tell you, I hear uh, a number of coaches that I spoke with this year a number of ADs, a number of parents, uh, you know, and it was regarding facilities, tournaments, umpires, I mean, you name it. Um, and we, we do want, because we want to put our best foot forward. This is our tournament. This is kind of our crowning jewel. This is what we do with the MHSAA. We, we, we essentially, we write rules and we put on tournaments. And so if, if one of those is not at the tip top, we want to make sure that it is. And so we, we want to work with the coaches association and others to uh, to make sure that we are doing that, uh, putting our best foot forward. And uh, you know, I this year was like one, as was mentioned, like uh, none other that we've ever experienced. Uh, I can tell you, one of the most challenging years. Uh, you know, I've only been with the MHSA uh, a few years here, but one of the most challenging years for host uh, in trying to secure host uh, was just. Uh, very difficult. Uh, for an example, we lost three quarterfinal hosts within two weeks of our quarterfinal that they had agreed to host 
and withdrew uh, with two weeks. So, so we, um, you know, we understand and we understand from their per- perspective too, they had some things come up or they had, so I don't, I don't blame anybody at this time. Uh, we just, again, it was a way that we could work on the fly, but we are definitely in uh, the mindset of working with all of our partners to make sure that we're putting on the best tournaments and that we're giving the best environment for our student athletes, coaches, and schools. Perfect. Fantastic. Todd, one last question for you, and then we'll let you guys go here. Um, You know, we have talked at nauseum at this point, Coach Woolley and I have, uh, about making sure that the coaches are involved in all processes, right? Whether it's nominating your players, whether it's, you know, making sure that, um, you know, there's an open line of communication with the MHSAA. But what, what do you think are some ways that you can get coaches even more involved to help both the MHSA and the MHBCA grow the game of baseball an effort to kind of put it up in that tier with football and basketball to really put a, a special highlight or spotlight on the game. Uh, well, that, that's another thing that we've been talking about. And I think I'm going to get with, uh, with Brent here in the next couple of weeks to yeah. discuss that. But I think getting, getting the information about our association out to the athletic directors, that's, mm-hmm. that's first and foremost, because um, you know, we, in order for, any of our players to have postseason awards, their coaches need to be members of the MHSBCA. Right. And it seems like every year, right at the, right at the end, there's just a rush to get, um, you know, your registration in. And right. I would like, we would like to get that done ahead of time so that we're, we're not dealing with people calling for meetings. Hey, can this guy says he's going to pay? Um, he'll send a check tonight. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I'll take your word for it. But, right. you know, like we, we want to be proactive. We want our coaches involved. And um, I think, I think that that's something that we're going to, that we need to have start to have some dialogue amongst our executive board about here in the future. And cause I think that we're all kind of like for a whole year, we were in a holding pattern and just trying to, we are just trying to stay afloat. And I think that now that we've, that we've gotten past, um, what appears to be the worst of it. Um, now we've got, now we've got the, you know, we've, we've been able to sit back and think of some things. And I think that we're going to try to try to be more proactive with our coaches um, moving forward. Yeah. Fantastic. And just to echo that, just to echo that sentiment, Todd, you know, it, it's so discouraging when you go to a district meeting, right. And you've got these teams that win districts and their coaches don't show up because our a number one priority, it's simple. It's the player. That's it. You know what I mean? And, and when you do something like that, that takes away every piece of momentum that you could give to that kid. And it's just so important. You want your voice to be heard. You want to have, you want to have input. You just heard the president of the MHS BCA and the assistant director, one of the assistant directors at the MHSAA tell you they're listening, but in order for you to have that seat at the table, you've got to become involved and it doesn't take that much. And it's a good group of people. I was telling Rob, I told Rob this week one, we're in week 12 right now. Baseball guys are the best guys in the entire world. They are, they're not like secret keepers. They don't push everything off. They're usually open communicators and are all in it for the same purposes. So you know what guys, with that being said, 
I think that's just the perfect get involved, understand that your voice is heard. And Todd, both you and Brent, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time. And and Brent, honestly, I mean, you don't have to come out here. You could easily play the politic game, but you were extremely candid. And I appreciate that. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you doing that. And Todd, thank you for doing what you do at all. People have no idea what you do behind the scenes. Thank you. And, and Ryan, we're, we're glad to have you here hitting in the three spot. So <laughs> good luck. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it, Brent. Appreciate it, Todd. Thank you so much for joining and thank you for everything that you guys do uh, to make this game great. Um, thank you once again. I look forward to talking to you guys next year. Um, our Thanks, Rob. Thank, yeah. you, Adam. Thank, you. thank you. Our last guest today is a local legend, Ryan Kelly, who completed his 14th year at the helm of Wayne state university's baseball program in 2021, the ninth head coach in the 80 year history of Wayne state baseball. Kelly's 609 winning percentage is the best among coaches in program history. He became the program's all time winning as coach on April 23rd, 2017, and has accumulated an overall record of 376 wins, 241 losses and one tie during his tenure. Coach Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you sound fantastic. Okay. You look good. You <laughs> got the Wayne State swag going on. Uh, I know you're on the road right now checking out some, some talent at some various tournaments. Let's just jump right in here, though, Coach. Can you explain the importance of summer baseball, especially to the players who are looking to be recruited? Because we're, we're at that time now. We're in the offseason. So, I mean, you know better than anybody. Talk to us about the importance of summer baseball. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And thanks for having me on today. And I'm in my vehicle right now. This is actually, <laughs> and it is summer baseball season. And this is a, uh, this is typically the office of a college baseball coach or any other college uh, coach, uh, mm -hmm. whether the sport they're on the, they're in the road a lot and in their vehicle a lot. So this is our office away from our campus. Yeah. Uh, but to go back to your question on, on summer baseball. Uh, yep. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a chance to watch four games already today. I'm, probably going to catch a little bit more after our, our talk this evening. And uh, it's very important. Uh, I think we, we obviously uh, put a lot of value and weight as college coaches into the high school uh, season. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important tool for us to evaluate uh, within that environment. Uh, but the, the summer baseball circuit is also another opportunity, another tool for us to evaluate a number of different uh, avenues for student athletes. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the skills and the speed, the velocities, the swings, all that good stuff. Uh, but it's another, another platform for us to really gauge and, and monitor uh, the intangibles, uh, you know, the, the team skills, uh, the commitment, uh, the on deck routines, the, the <laughs> pregame routines, uh, post game. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot more flexibility in the summer circuit for, for college coaches. Cause when we're, the high school teams are playing. So the college teams, right. And that's a, it's always a challenge for us to get to one to an entire game, but uh, more than just that. And so summer baseball is important. Uh, and, but not to discredit how important high school baseball is because it really is a vital piece to our recruitment process. RK, first of all, thank you for coming on, man. I'm glad to have you here, coach. I, I love talking to you whenever. And it just, it, it's really great. Like Todd said, having you hitting the three spot and bringing the, the finale home here, because this is the last show of the year. So to be able to pick your brain and to give people, you know, real tangible 
ideas of what they should be doing and and how they can improve their their chances or even opportunities is is and to have you here to do that is just awesome. But what I wanted to also uh, pick your brain about because you've already touched on it. A couple of things have changed over the last say ten years, and that is like the evolution of how the recruiting process kind of unfolds. One of the things that we've seen take off over the last couple of years is this idea of specialized training. Um, a lot of players have personal coaches now working on specific skills, strength, conditioning, nutrition. When it comes to the off season, can you highlight some of the areas that are absolute musts for high school players? Just things that they absolutely positively should be looking to do in that off season. For sure. Um, and you're right. It's, it's become a, uh, it's become a good thing. It's a good a good scenario with a lot, a lot of development, really at a lot of different levels from professional baseball on down. Uh, but yes, the uh, off-season training, the individual skill set training, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, personal development as a baseball student athlete, and so on. It's it's been very, uh, very incredible actually, and uh, pretty powerful. Uh, there are a few things that um, that I think are important, and uh, one is, uh, and it gets, I think this gets overlooked a little bit uh, is you don't want to be in a race. These kids move fast. They want to get in in, in a facility. Um, they want to follow a, a trend, uh, but don't be in a race. You're, you're not going to be able to max bench in, within a week and, and stuff like that. Uh, you need to make sure you're, you're following the process, follow the process and, and, and do the things the right way. Uh, the other thing that I think is important, and we'll talk about some of the specifics, but the other thing I think is very important for high school student athletes and, and high school coaches is to continue having great communication uh, with each other. Uh, so it's just not going to a strength and conditioning coach. It's maybe having some goals with your high school coaches and your program on what you think that what, you know, you can work for yourself, but also for the team and just having that good communication. I'm guessing most high school coaches uh, will probably support uh, all student athletes and, and their endeavors and their goals. But I think that communication should be a premium. Um, the other thing I think it's um, somewhat missed uh, especially in the off season. Uh, and you know, you go into, they go into gym they work out, uh, they take care of the physical attributes, but the mental attributes I think are, is, uh, is something that there's a trend there and there should be, but I think it's something that you, you can't uh, lose sight on as, as a high school student athlete. Uh, so keep, not only you take care of your body, take care of your mind and do it the right way and do it with a, a baseball uh, scenario. Uh, the, the mental process of visualization, your mental routines, uh, your approach, uh, your sleep, and how that affects you mentally and physically. But um, this is a, a topic we can talk all all, all uh, evening on. Uh, a couple things uh, regarding the physical piece I think should be uh, always focused on is it's uh, there's this big push to see how far you can hit a ball and how fast you can throw a baseball. Um, and those are important. That's great. That's I mean, that's obviously something that's uh, uh, identified uh, in the recruitment process. But, uh, again, like I said, don't be in a race. Uh, so with that, follow the process, understand technique. Uh, some guys, you know, there's a lot of things out there from driveline, med balls, um, specific uh, machine work, activity, things like that. But do it the right way. Follow the technique so you're not getting injured in your training. Uh, we have, as college coaches, even high, high school coaches too, we've, we've seen that and we've experienced it. Uh, we don't want to see student athletes miss playing innings in, in the spring or the summer because of the winter or uh, off-season workout. So uh, do it the right way. And that goes back to communication with your, your high school coaches, but also with your, uh, you know, your specialized coaches. Um, the other thing is probably flexibility. Uh, I think flexibility, keeping your body flexible. 
Long athletic on top of that. So uh, those things will be We may have lost. We may have lost coach here. Technology. Technology, man. Always it great is until it doesn't work. Right. Flexible yeah. is done the right way, and so on. So, and I think it's if it's done the right way. But there's also some old school things. Yeah, me. You got us, coach. Yeah, we do. It kind of. Yeah. The, we lost yeah, you for a sec. You're okay. Wrapped itself up and got you really back quickly there. So that's good. <laughs> I was, yeah, it, that's okay. Is that on me? It might be on me. Yeah, it's okay. You, it's okay. All we're good. Talking about flexibility and um, you know specific to the sport. And well, you know, one thing that did come to my mind when we were talking uh, and, and just listening to what you were saying is that uh, one of the things that I've noticed about my role, and I've said this to other coaches, just kind of want to get your ideas on it, is that my role as the um, as the liaison between the college coach and my player has kind of that's changed a lot, too. You know, you're at you're physically at the summer game watching them play there. But can you still uh, just explain to high school coaches the importance of their role in that player's recruitment process, because I don't think a lot of guys understand that just because you're not there, that doesn't mean that you're not watching. I'm right Correct. about that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and you've experienced with me over the years, but uh, if I'm watching a specific summer team, there's a, there's occasionally uh, scenarios where I will continue the communication with the high school coach. I might, I mean, I've already done it a few times today, maybe sending a, a text or a phone call to the actual high school coach of the student athletes I've been watching within their summer program. In um, the summer coaches, that, and, and there's high school coaches that coach summer ball. And uh, I, I think there's uh, some really great resource with the, with the summer coaching uh, scenario with the student athletes. Uh, but, you, you know, as a college coach, I think there's great value with the high school coach uh, understanding uh, the academics, understanding the person across the entire school year, just not, uh, like in four or five tournaments mm-hmm. uh, in a couple practices in the off season. Um, I think there's, there's value there. And so from a coaching perspective uh, at the high school level, obviously, like I said earlier about, you know, the, the development is in strength and conditioning and in training is just continue to have that good communication uh, with the student athlete. And some student athletes are really good about it. Uh, so some need to continue the, the maturity process of that. And obviously, high school coaches can be instrumental in that regard. But the recruiting process is very uh, significant between the the college coaches and the high school coaches. And uh, I think we always value uh, feedback from the high school coaches, even if we only see the student athlete perform in a summer scenario. You know, Coach, something I've always wondered, and we've talked, me and Coach Woolley have talked about this off air a lot. Um, where do you land on recruiting multiple sport athletes? Is this something you recommend? Uh encourage or specifically target or are you on the other side of that spectrum where you you know that the player should specialize and just focus on baseball uh i love the multi-sport aspect i'll be honest with you i mean i I, and most college coaches i've had this discussion with uh, share the the thought process i think there is an individual component to it uh Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be uh high school baseball pitchers that uh that might be their most athletic position in sports and uh, that's maybe what they can continue to focus on and have a goal that's their that's their avenue to, to proceed forward in the sport. Um, and that's good. And, and the training's good. Uh, one thing I really think about multi-sport scenarios is uh, you can't, you know, 
you can't replace competitive experience. Uh, You can be on a mound, you can be in a weight room, you can be in a cage uh, for a long time, and you could obviously perfect your your skills to the best of your ability in that regard. But I really think like when it comes down to a, at the college level or even professional level, at some point you're going to be challenged mentally in a very high competitive environment. And uh, going back to the high school days, I mean, it's, it can be, if you're a basketball player, just shooting a free throw and the game's on the line, uh, even though your primary sports baseball, or if you're a kicker in football, just kicking a big field goal late in the game, understanding that moment, being in that moment uh, mentally, that's a, just an unbelievable experience in your library and that you can move forward to uh, execute on the baseball field. So I think uh, it goes back to the communication with if, if, if baseball is your primary sport, you got to continue to have that open dialogue and communication with your, your baseball coaches at the high school level and really see what's uh, best for you in that, in that direction. And, you, and if you want to play multiple sports, which I agree with that communication has got to be a sport to sport too. It can't just be with one coach. It's got to be with the other coaches in other sports. If that helps. Yeah, no, absolutely, Coach, for sure. Um, you know, one one more quick thing, too, and I coaches, we're going to bring up the the camp that you guys are hosting here in a second, but I did want to talk a little bit about um, uh, showcases, right? We, we talked about this before in, in previous podcasts, but, uh, you know, there's always opportunities for players to attend these types of things. Why are these important? Really stress the, the importance of these because, you know, we're all about growing the game and trying to provide as much information as possible to both players, coaches, parents, everybody. So for, to have somebody like yourself come on here and explain the importance of some of these things is crucial. So can you just kind of highlight what the showcases are and why they're so important for kids trying to get recruited? Showcases uh, from a recruitment scenario are just, it's a, it's another tool mm-hmm. for college recruiters and college coaches. Um, and high percentage of, of the situations a college coach is not going to make a final decision on a, in a showcase. Yeah. It's a tool. It's a, it's a, it's a tool. It's a tool uh, for coaches to evaluate um, some skill set to, to witness some, some particulars with the student athlete. Yeah. Uh, and that opens up continued communication and channels in that regard uh, with the high school coaches, the summer coaches, the individual trainers. It's another tool. Um, I think, and I think it's also another avenue for uh, student athletes to, uh, to go through a competitive situation. Absolutely. It's not easy. It's not easy to be on the mound with a lot of people watching you at a recruiting showcase. Right. And so it's another area that you can continue to, to grow from mentally in a kind of a competitive situation. And yeah, um, I think it's always good to go outside your comfort zone and sometimes showcases do that. Um, I would, um, I would also add, uh, I think it's important just like in the game of baseball, it, there's a lot of failure. And so if, if you, if a student athlete does not do that well at a showcase, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Um, just understand what you've done and learn from it, continue to get better. And you got an opportunity to win the next day. And so um, I, I have been concerned when I've seen that um, across the showcases I've attended that maybe some student athletes put their head down. They got a little yeah. bit upset emotionally. Right. Right. It's okay. It's you weren't playing a four game series. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're there for maybe 40, 40 minutes of doing activity. Right. Uh, coaches understand that. So, so keep right. your head up. That's another, and that's another thing coaches are going to evaluate. Absolutely. They're going to evaluate your body language and how you handle uh, failure or adversity in those environments. Again, it's just another tool. It's not necessarily a final decision maker. 
It's so interesting to hear you talk about all that stuff because, you know, it's kind of just, it's not only informative, but it's reassuring too to the players that you go out there and, and have an absolutely brutal day. But if you carry yourself a certain way, you know, it's noticed by the coaches, they see it, they mm-hmm. pick up on it. And it's just one of those, you know, t- intangible things that is so important to the overall process of the player. But let, RK, let's get you pumping up here because you are on here because you do have something really special coming up. I, I ran away for a second just to get this. <laughs> if you, you know. guys, yeah, this is an audio podcast. So just so we're all clear, coach just held up his um, Lance Parrish jersey that he had out of his closet. So <laughs> admittedly, admittedly, and my wife will tell you this, it's probably my only man crush in the entire world. I got like my top dog, all time favorite. I told, I told him one time at a, uh, I was working at a Tigers game in the media and I I told him, I said, yeah, you were my Mickey Mantle. And he looked at me and he goes, let's not go that far. That's what <laughs> I mean. I swear to you. Said, all right. All right. I'll leave it at that. But you do have a, uh, you've got the old clinic coming up here. Wayne State playing host, the Tiger Legends, Alan Trammell and Lance Parrish, who's going to host the 11th annual camp on your campus from July 27th to 29th. The camp is open to baseball and softball players ages 7 to 18. Each day is going to be 125 bucks. I know I covered a lot of it, but tell us a little bit more about this exciting opportunity to, to seriously learn <laughs> from two absolute legends. And anybody who's literally stacked, Alan, you can, you can through osmosis, learn things from Alan Trammell. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So it is. <laughs> well, thank for you for that. Go, yeah. Thank you for that. And uh, this, you know, as you mentioned, 11 years strong. We've been doing this, this camp annually with uh, two of the greatest Detroit Tigers that ever were, the Old English D and Alan Trammell and Lance Parrish, respectively, at their positions uh, yeah. and uh, shortstop and catcher. Uh, but it's, a, it's an awesome camp experience if you want to really get better as a baseball player. And uh, we don't, and we talked about showcases and stuff like that. We open it up to all ages, and uh, it's 7 to 18. Uh, this year, we actually the last 10 years, we've been doing it inside during the off season, during the winter months. Uh, but now with the, the way the COVID has uh, developed, we now have an opportunity to go outside with Tram and Lance and, and do and use our entire outdoor athletic campus. So we're going to partner with softball. Softball is going to have opportunities for the girls, student athletes to come on out and, and uh, play at the softball field and use the other amenities around our campus, just like the, the baseball campers. Uh, but uh, we're going, to, we're going to divide it up by age. So it's not like if you're 17, you're going to come and go to camp with a nine-year-old. <laughs> we're going to, we divide it up. We divide it up by, you know, sport and age. We might have a little cross collaboration with certain uh, position work uh, yeah. when it comes to, to things, but uh, you'll have a very competitive educational uh, experience with the full mindset to get better as a baseball player. And um, it's, it connects with our NCAA scenario with our, our sport teams and our student athletes, our coaches, mm-hmm. we'll have some guest coaches that are very talented. Uh, but if, if you're a passionate Detroit, Detroit sports fan, uh, Alan Trammell and Lance Parrish absolutely bring the energy. It's amazing. And uh, if some of the youngsters tune into this, are not quite sure about who those two are. They need to do some research on it. And uh, my goodness, it's the last world series team in Detroit uh, with 84. Hopefully we'll have some on the horizon, but, uh, I, I tell you, there's a real reason why those guys were world champions. And it's not just because they were good baseball players. They are tremendous human beings. Uh, it is unbelievable how much they give back to the city and how much they care about this camp. I've, I've seen it for a decade now and, and their ability to just touch every participant in terms of 
pushing energy in their direction, helping them. Uh, it, it's amazing. And when we put that with a lot of college players and the college coaches, it's, it's a cool environment. And I got to tell, I got to say like Trammell and Lance, um, those guys played for uh, collectively almost 40 years in the big leagues, uh, almost 20, I mean, around 20 each. And um, they've been in the, they've been in the game since they retired either uh, at coaches. the pro level. Yeah, yeah, coaches, managers, too, managers, yeah. Coaches. Yeah. Uh, now they're both uh, in uh, front office administrative type roles with the Tigers organization. Right. They, they bring a lot of wealth, a lot of knowledge uh, to the game. And um, how awesome is it is as, as a youngster or a parent or a grandparent to bring their, their kids down and uh, be in Detroit where it all happened with those guys uh, to do it in a camp environment. And uh, it's not like we're going to be there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. We, we go through it and we, we kind of embrace the Detroit mentality with an assembly line. It's almost like a, a good baseball factory. Oh, it we is. Expect, yeah. We, yeah, we want the kids to not only learn, but to understand and appreciate what it means to work and go through routine and build on that. Um, cause we want them to continue to grow beyond just the camp experience and, and transcend the, their own game. And, uh, I appreciate you guys asking me about it and, uh, it's just awesome. And my, and personal, uh, to just give back to the game and, and have kids, have kids with the opportunity to be around a hall of famer. I mean, if you could go and field a ground ball with Alan Trammell, like, no one's ever gonna be able to take that away from you. You'll be able to I say wanna, that. Forever. I want to. I want to attend the camp, but I'm not even legally <laughs> able to do it. So let me put it that way. I would go and embarrass myself in front of a bunch of ten year olds, but I want to go there and just be like, get out of the way. It's my turn. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, Rob. If you go out there and you learn from Alan Trammell, you'll be fielding a ground ball slicker than you've ever. I bet you. I bet. I bet that's right. Get my fat butt out there. <laughs> and if you, if you guys, if you like, do a little research on Tram. Like uh, he's doing it with the organization. He's out there with Torkelson and things like that. I mean, he yeah. is just. I've heard that from a lot of uh, the professionals that have experienced Tram as a coach. Like he gets out there during batting practice and he's filling ground balls with these guys that are, you know, eighteen to twenty-five years old, and he's right there, right next to him, and he's passionate about the Tigers organization and, and pushing the organization uh, in the right direction. And it's it's awesome to see and experience. We've already talked at again at length about like how many great people there are in baseball. Ryan Kelly, you are absolutely one of them. And here's the other thing too: the guys that you have out there, Lance Parrish and uh, Alan Trammell, they will not big time the campers. They will be right in there with them. They will be teaching them as if they were their second grade teacher or their twelfth grade teacher, whatever the case may be. It is really a sight to see. And Rob, I know you joked about it, but what a, what a blessing it was. Honestly, I had an yeah. opportunity to work in one of these camps. And I, like I said, my brain was just like on overload. Oh, I'm, I absolutely, for sure. It was great. So Ryan, I, you know, RK, always a pleasure talking to you regardless, but to have you on here, pumping it up and also giving some great insight as to what our kids should be doing, man. You're one of the great ones in baseball and appreciate you all the time. And thanks for stopping by. I really do appreciate yeah. it. Rob, Coach Willie, thanks for uh, having this platform for a lot of people to continue to move forward in, in baseball. And, and shout out to all the, the coaches, the administrators, uh, the teachers that, that helps give student athletes an opportunity to be back it, you know, whether it was uh, getting good grades or uh, being on a, a field or a court somewhere within a team environment. Uh, obviously, that was awesome, and, but a lot of leadership, and, and it was fun to watch as a, from a college coach perspective, seeing the high school uh, faculty staff getting after it and putting kids in the right spot. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Appreciate, coach. It. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, 
congratulations once again to our state champions, but also congratulations to everyone involved who made sure that the 2021 season went off without stoppage. And that was the big goal uh, this year. Thank you once again to our guests this week. I think we ended it with a bang coach, Todd Zalka, Brent Rice, and Ryan Kelly. Thank you uh, to all of our previous guests and to all of our listeners. And, you know, Rob, remember, at the end of the day, the goal of this podcast is to promote the players, the coaches, the officials, everyone involved in Michigan high school baseball. So I want to thank State Champs Michigan for providing us a place for a solid exchange of ideas. Thank you, Lauren Plant, the executive producer, who reached out and said, hey, you've got this opportunity, allowed us to grow the podcast, to allowed us to grow the game, brought to light some interesting topics. And it was just incredible. Great experience. Yep. And, Rob, you know, on a personal level, as I, I don't even know if we let this cat out of the bag yet or not, though. Rob was a <laughs> former student of mine. Um, I knew that he was passionate about sports, was an excellent broadcasting student, has become an even a better broadcaster. Rob, thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Coach, I cannot tell you the amount of excitement that I've had doing this doing this with you. Um, you know, this has been a true honor. Once again, thank you to Lauren Plan as well for having me on and kind of signing off with you. Um, a true highlight for me, and I'm already ready for next season. So let's go. Well, wait, we still Still have a little bit more. Don't forget yeah. Yeah. this Monday, June. Oh yeah, 20th, I forgot. The season culminates with the 40th annual Michigan High School All Star Game. That's at 7 p.m. at Comerica Park. And the cool thing now is you don't have to go through any website. Nope. You can purchase your tickets directly at Comerica. So if you want to go out and see some future college stars and potential MLB talent, and there has been MLB talent that's come through there, stop in and check it out. That's June 28th, 7 p.m. Comerica Park, the Michigan High School All Star Game, 7 p.m. Yeah. All right, coach. That's going to do it for this season. The extra podcast. Once again, thank you to all of our guests, players, uh, administrative faculty, anybody who's been on this show for the last 12 episodes. We really appreciate it. Coach Woolley. Thank you for once again, for reaching out and having me on here to join this journey with you. Uh, thank you for starting this podcast way back when, you know, to give the platform that we have today. So a big shout out to you, big shout out to Lauren Plant and state champs, but that's going to do it for this season of the extra podcast for Adam Woolley. I'm Rob Medica saying thanks for tuning in and joining us all all this season on the state champs extra inning podcast. We will see you next season. We will once again work together to grow the game of high school baseball in the state of Michigan. Thank you. And goodbye.